0: country of Indonesia. Do they like me in Indonesia?
1: 100% confident Indonesia will prevail.
0: Hello and welcome to Talking Indonesia. My name is Gemma Purdy. We are bringing you this episode early this week in response to the current escalation in the pandemic crisis in Indonesia, especially in Java. Last week, 16 months after announcing its first case of COVID-19 Indonesia passed the ominous milestone of 2 million officially recorded cases and daily case numbers are currently surging local government officials in parts of Java are moving to declare red zones and limit movement in their regions and hospitals are reaching if not already exceeding capacity. What are the causes of this recent spike in COVID numbers? What does it tell us about the way the government has handled the crisis over the past 16 months? How dire will the situation become? And can the vaccination rollout help to mitigate its impacts? To answer these questions, I'm joined by epidemiologist Dicky Budiman from Griffith University. Hello, Dicky. Thank you so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia.
1: Hi, Jima. Uh, nice to meet you. And thank you for having me for this conversation.
0: Oh, well, you're very welcome. And this is an important and timely conversation. So thanks again for being here. Now, Diki, Indonesia's just passed quite an inauspicious milestone in the pandemic, recording 2 million cases of COVID. Can you give us a brief update on the current situation there?
1: Yeah, of one thing that for sure our n- real number is higher than uh, what the government already uh, detect and report. And it's probably uh, around maybe at least three times from the current reporting number. Some of the epidemiologists in Indonesian university also report like maybe five times of this current uh, number. So it means that our situation much worse than what government report currently. And the situation on the field, also represent our prediction, especially in Java Island. Many hospitals already passed their threshold of the capacity for their beds. And also the number of the case in household, also in community is increasing. Even we can see also the high number reported in children. So as we know also children everywhere in similar proportion case, which is around 1 to 3% of total COVID case. And it means, if, let's say today, this morning, I got the reported from Karawang around 300-something children got infected by COVID-19. It means in this area itself, they have a much more case for the adult population because it will also represent more than 90% from that 300 cases. That's the real situation. And the number of health workers who also get infected by COVID-19 is increasing. And that's happened until the community health center level, because this community health center is just directly contacted with the community. It means the number of cases in communities increasing and also in the same time, we decreasing our healthcare number who can treat the people. So that's a in very serious situation. So that's why now me and many of the scientists in Indonesia already proposed strong action to the government, Senator President, to minimize the impact of these uh, short case in uh, health system through the strict, very strict social, large uh, mobilization. And also in some area, maybe we can put a similar with the lockdown steps. One of my concerns is that the current test positivity rate of Indonesia is already achieved 50%. So it means we still have very poor capacity in testing and tracing. And that trend is increasing during this week.
0: Wow, I was going to ask about the testing capacity. So the positivity rate of 50%, that's got to be up there with the highest in the world, But So some people are calling this Indonesia's second wave. Would you define it that way or are we just seeing the continuation of the first wave,
1: Yeah, for my perspective and analysis, we are still in the first wave, but this first wave approaching their peak now, the real peak, of course, Previously, we had maybe two or three very small peaks, actually, because you know, in pandemic, one wave can have multiple peaks. But now we approaching the real peak. My simulation with Ministry of Health, because they invite me also uh, before the Ramadan, around uh, I think on April, uh, they invite me to give them the advice, what is prediction and how we mitigate this. Situation, the worst scenario situation. At that time, we simulate the case and we have to the conclusion that we will uh, reach the peak around end of June this year. And the number of cases can be like 100,000 cases per day. So that's huge. And uh, unfortunately, I, I also told them that this is the first peak and we can have another peak, which is very close because the second peak will be led by the Delta variant, but the first peak is accumulation of one year of our pandemic situation, which is in Indonesia since April 2020 in the level of community transmission up to now. So if one country, if one region still in this level of community transmission, it's mean this country or this uh, region cannot detect the majority of cases, infection cases, and also the majority of clusters. So it's mean the case still spread uncontrollable.
0: Right, but lots of people are kind of pointing to Idul Fitri mm-hmm. and the fact that people did not stay home as they were asked to mm-hmm. as being the trigger point here, but you're saying it's actually an accumulation of the past 12, 14 months.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. because every time we see the the rising case of COVID-19 in every region, also in every country, it should be multifactorial. But in the case of Indonesia, because we cannot detect this majority cluster, then of course, then we cannot also solve this cluster. So it means the case is growing bigger and bigger. And that's why I always say Indonesia in the uh, silent outbreak criteria due to our huge population of our young age. And that's one of the reasons. And of course, uh, the, the situation, the peak situation of uh, the end of June also contribute by many events like election last year and also many long holiday, many events and the last One, of course, the mudik, that's the long journey and with the huge population during this time.
0: Exactly. So lots of people were moving around at that time. You mentioned that this is not necessarily a Delta outbreak, but how much is the Delta variant coming into play now with this peak?
1: So current situation and approaching the first peak on uh, end of june based on the data previously let's say the last two months we can see that the alpha variant still dominate in indonesia but for the last maybe two weeks for the last two weeks we can see the significant increasing number of the delta variant but i can uh, tell that it seems this Delta variant will take a lead uh, around mid of July or end of July. So that's why this is a very serious situation for Indonesia. We have the two threats from this uh, very significant variant. And unfortunately, again, we still not have a very strong response to this so far. Of course, Jakarta, one of the regions who... Actually, compared to other regions, already give more proper and strong response.
0: Yeah. Well, we could just talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but I want to stick with the numbers for a little second longer. So you're talking in your worst-case scenario simulation of 100,000 cases by the end of June, but Currently, Indonesia's hitting around 13, 14,000 cases. How do we explain that gap? Are you talking that's your real... Number as opposed to an officially
1: recorded number. Is that right? Yeah. So the, the 100 case per day actually in my, my current analysis uh, is already achieved. I mean, now it's already in this number. I have to say that in Indonesia context, again, uh, because I was in this position, I mean, to lead and also to come to the field. You know, Indonesia, 80% of them, when they sick, they stay at home they will treat by themselves. We call it the self remedy. So 80%, that was before pandemic. So during pandemic, because of stigma, this number is increasing. This is number is increasing. And what we found from the reporting system, I mean, the, the number from government, let's say currently is like, let's say 10,000 or 15,000. That, let's say, represents 20%. Of the COVID-19 case, because approximately in general, in proportion, in many countries, only around 10-20% of COVID-19 cases will come to the hospital. Uh, you can imagine in Indonesia context, 20% come to the hospital and of course 80% at home. So in community, at least eight times number of this official figure.
0: Okay, that puts it in some perspective. And the disturbing thing, I guess, as we know about the Delta variant is that if you do stay at home in your household, it looks more likely that the other members of your household will contract it, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's very, very, very correct, uh, Gemma, because as uh, we know, the Delta variant has higher reproduction number compared to even Alpha variant, because Alpha variant has in average uh, reproduction numbers 4, but Delta variant between six to eight. So it's mean the secondary attack rate is very high, very high. It's mean the probability in one house, when one person or one member, a family member gets sick, almost all of them will be sick. And that's same already happened in some area already like Kudus, uh, Bangkalan and et cetera. So it's mean what we see in Indonesia is not different with others. Let's say, India, uh, uh, referring the, the the Delta variant cases. So, uh, it's it's worrisome. It's very worrisome.
0: Yeah, and so it also makes sense when you look at where these red zones or the hotspots are currently. It's mostly concentrated in Java, isn't it, where it's the densest population. So, so Puck, give me a sense of your opinion on the way that the government's been handling this crisis. Obviously, there's been some lockdowns, but as you indicated, people did go on more, dick. There has been mobility and, yeah, they have declared these red zones, but what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So after one year of our pandemic situation in Indonesia, of course, there is some progress from the government. Before I note my critical point, one of the progress that very significant is vaccination program. Vaccination program already in place and it seemed the favorite of the pandemic intervention from the government. But unfortunately, even this become their, their main strategy, the achieve of this vaccination is still below 6% of the fully vaccinated. But of course, compared to some countries, it's still better. But again, to deal especially with Delta variant, we still have many challenges. And of course, still a huge number of people in Indonesia are unprotected by vaccine. And the second one, I just I want to say the progress first, uh, the government already also allocated more budget actually for supporting this pandemic uh, program. But again, in in real situation, let's say for testing capacity, our testing capacity is one of the lower in the region in ASEAN, one of the lowest in the in the region. And as I mentioned, also even during this crisis, the average of the testing is still below of like below of 70,000 a day and of course this is not proper enough because during this crisis we have to also increasing our testing capacity and the allocation for this testing program is huge and only less than 5% of budget already used for this testing so the problem will be of course i think it's about the how this budget allocation distribute or maybe there's a problem with the district capacity because the government already allocates. So again, my analysis for after one year, more than one year of the Indonesian pandemic program, the management is one of our challenges, the big challenge, the management. Because I should say, and I always say that during my working experience, like 23 years uh, dealing with the uh, pandemic epidemic this is the first time in indonesia the one who lead the pandemic program is not ministry of health this is the first time in indonesia history so there is many committees, many task force and i think that's one of the reason why this management become one of the problem itself and the second one it's about focusing of government in dealing with the pandemic. Since the beginning, it seemed the governments always take care about economic aspect and health aspect. So this is also makes, you know, our resources is like s- split. And that's why we cannot focus on one. And that's why the problem is like snowballing phenomenon. It's become bigger and bigger and bigger in two aspects, health and non-health. So now it's already happened. So when the government want to deal with the current situation, the problem is already bigger than last year. And that's why when we talk about, let's say PSBB or lockdown, is of course then much, much uh, challenging for the government. These are
0: issues that we're all grappling with worldwide. This, you know, the economic damage, the public health damage. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that, you know, you can be sympathetic too but i guess getting back to you know what what you do and and the advice that you've given but i i want to talk a little bit about how that's been received by government there was a recent paper published out of the Eichmann institute for example which pointed to a gross underreporting as you've already indicated of not only covid cases but also of covid related deaths so i know you've done your own work in this respect Tell us a little bit about, about how this has impacted on the kinds of advice that government then pass on and the rulings that they make around public health.
1: Yeah, the research is telling us that the problem in Indonesia is higher than the government figure now. And the scientific community, and which is, I'm one of the members of the scientific community. Actually, regularly we also give this advice to the government. I can say, let's say maybe three times I was invited by the government uh, with the senior minister Luhut Panjaitan, also with another coordinating ministry, and also with even I have one opportunity also to meet the vice president and also with the, of course, minister of health, of course. He also personally invited and. I can say also in this conversation sometime some minister in this cabinet also directly consult with me and call me and and ask me about the current situation or what they should do to prevent more or worse uh, scenario but again many of these information scientific information data it's not always used by the government when they deliver the the intervention but then again after me or other scientists also supply the scientific data to government, the government also changed their uh, policy. But this in front of community is not a good one. Because why? Because community is like not consistent, not consistent and not clear enough, not strong enough uh, in their strategy. So, so it will send the wrong message to the community. So it, again, the problem is about this management is about the the one who lead is not focused on health. That's the one of the I think main problem, Jema. That's one of the main problems because I can say the current Minister of Health is very a uh, scientific person. <laughs> He's good. Uh, compared to before, because I, I directly discussed with him. So as uh, the person who also were in government, I can say this this is not easy for him also. Again, the scientific community are always support the data, information, and government also in another aspect also open this communication with the scientific community. But when they deliver the program, it's sometimes different with our discussion that's the problem. So the communications
0: are inconsistent, they're confusing for the public therefore. So but you're going in there and you're telling them and your colleagues are going in and telling them that the infection rate is maybe five times greater, that the mortality rate is what? How much times greater?
1: The mortality rate is like maybe three times of our, our current figure now. So this is I always told to the senior officer in government that the mortality rate, even one death case, is very serious, because during outbreak, uh, one death it's mean we call it or to call it in Indonesia we call it kebobolan. You know, it's like when you try to prevent something come in to your home, but then suddenly you find it's someone there. So it's mean. There is something weak in your prevention program. I always say say also that the mortality is the late indicator, so it's mean it's too late,
0: too late, and the systems have failed, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, there's The testing tracing system and then the hospitalisation system, yeah, have been overwhelmed and is failing. Yeah. On the hospitalisation at the moment, what are you hearing about capacities in different cities in java for example
1: so um i'm, I'm in in uh, uh advisor for Lapor COVID also one of the civil society movement in indonesia i'm one of their advisors since the beginning of pandemic because again my experience from many outbreak epidemic and pandemic especially hiv pandemic give me a very important lesson that, that the community movement community role is very important that's why since the beginning, I'm involved with this. And Labor COVID always open this communication with many, not only hospital, but also health community center. And the current situation, not only in community health center or health facility, but at household, we found also the cases in rising. And they cannot also have access to the test because the current health workers are also busy with two things. First, vaccination, because the government also have a target to achieve one million per day. So that
0: at the local level, the community healthcare workers are administering the vaccination?
1: Yes, yes. And also, of course, the majority of healthcare workers will be focused on that vaccination because this is the, the main target or the main program of the government. And the second one, it, it, the increasing case of the COVID nineteen also make them the rest of them busy with to take care and to transport the patient from home to hospital and the sad things and also some of them of the healthcare workers also get infected so they have to be uh, isolate and quarantine uh, the situation in hospital is already I think the majority hospital in Java Island, based on the current uh, or the latest situation, is already uh, past the borderline of their capacity uh, by the WHO, which is already higher than 60%. And this, I have to mention, this situation is different with last year because many hospitals in Java already increasing their capacity. So it's mean the number is higher, higher and higher, and in and I also mentioned, okay, the government always okay. You need more bed, they will send bed. You need more uh, device, they will send device. But the human resource is still uh, not really improved. So this is uh, one of the problems. I don't right. Think. So,
0: but I mean, heaven forbid that we you know we talk about what happened in India last month the hospitals overwhelmed, no oxygen, et cetera. Yeah. Do you think Indonesia is better prepared than India was? I mean, they had dismantled their, their temporary hospitals, but, but you're saying Indonesia's capacity has grown?
1: No, yeah, uh, compared to last year, of course we grow, uh, even compared to the uh, before pandemic. But again, it's, it's still not enough compared to our population. Because especially when the case is rising in community, how many you uh, the government adding this capacity in terms of infrastructure, still will not enough compared to our population. Because again, we we still not uh, facing the worst scenario because eighty percent again still in community in household. So when they become more serious condition because of Delta variant, because Delta variant usually tend to give more serious uh, symptoms. So I think that's, that's what we can say the worst can already come. And, and because then the chaos will happen, in not only in hospital, but in community, because then everyone will need this uh, health assistant, especially oxygen. Now it's already uh, in Jakarta the oxygen is already run out. In Yogyakarta, current situation, I got the report from the field. So it means even not in worst scenario yet, we already face this level. I mean, the uh, the availability of very important support like oxygen ventilator, uh, the ICU room is already limited.
0: Uh, you would know Windu Purnomo from Erlanga. He, he's made this prediction that Indonesia could be facing a huge India-like problem. Is that what you're yeah. describing?
1: Yes, yes, I agree with him. And uh, we also had the discussion, I think, last week with Windu with uh, also why many epidemiologists that was there. And again, this is facilitated by the government, <laughs> facilitated by the government. At that time, everyone also raised their concern, their analysis. And again, uh, I told them that, of course, it seemed that we will not exactly the same with India, but similar, similar is we can say the little India can happen in Java, the little India. So it's mean that's very serious prediction because then uh, why I rise this also issue because then we have to mitigate from now on. We have to mitigate from now on. Uh, and I told them that only three strategy uh, has been proved effective uh, to deal with the Delta variant. First, of course, we have to improve our and uh, strengthening our detection program, which is testing, testing, and isolate. That's the first one. The second one, we have to. Strengthening also our vaccination program from eighteen years old until the uh, elderly. And the third one, this is more important, it's about the for situation. Let's say the this health system already collapsed. We have to uh, have to do the lockdown, the PSBB. So, so I know the government is not easy to, to do this one because the cost is very high for economic and also social factors. But I told them. Uh, we have to prepare this as the emergency option
0: at the moment some local areas are having kind of a soft lockdown aren't they yes. in these so called red zones mostly in java yes. but you would imagine that given that there was a national lockdown imposed back you know over 12 months ago and the and yes. the situation wasn't as dire as what you're predicting currently
1: yes. so there's yes. good
0: grounds for a national lockdown
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, my latest discussion was last night about this option, about the lockdown. The concern of government is about the financial support for the district because there is a big disparity among the district in financial uh, capacity. Uh, And of course, this is one of the main problems for when the government will do the lockdown. When they asked me, is any other uh, solution? I told them, okay, if we cannot do this strict lockdown, let's say, do the, let you say, a soft lockdown, which is restriction, restriction. But then again, we have to find the case at home from Papua until Aceh. They have to do the program, we call it home visiting program. Home visiting program is very important in Indonesia communicable disease program because then we can reach the community. We can find the patient at the early stage. And then if you don't have any capacity in testing, no need to do testing. At least you do isolation, quarantine. That's very important. But when they do is isolation and quarantine, there's a role of government to support them during this isolation and quarantine period. Otherwise, the the quarantine program will not be effective. So, as I mentioned, only 3% of budget of testing already uh, uh, run. But again, if the local government doesn't have enough uh, money to do this one, okay, at least this home visiting uh, program, and then you also should find this comorbidity person the one who has the high risk. Because at the early stage, we can treat them and it will prevent more burden to the health system. And that's very important.
0: Yeah. So this requires a coordination of all of government and a a commitment and a will to that. But as we've kind of seen over the last 14 months, it's very patchy that some local governments are more proactive than others. And yeah, there's political issues that come into play here as well. So at the end of the day, would you agree that leadership is so important here?
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's one of my points also during this pandemic. The leadership is important. And when we say leadership, it's not only about the president, it's also about the leadership at the community level. And I should say also to you, Gemma, what I say the many program many proposal in our conversation today i already state this proposed this one year ago i still remember my official letter 3 april 2020 i send this i send this because this is my obligation as the the one who already become let like, like the safeguard of government for all the last 23 years so i I know the system. I know how we can handle it from, based on our experience. So this is not the new things, actually. Because if I just stopped now, this is my responsibility. This is my, my mistake. But I already told this since the beginning. And when we call it the local lockdown, when we say the local lockdown, exactly on March, I told them this to government. We have to, dis- to do this and only one week, let's say, or two weeks, let's say. And it will prevent more uh, spread of this disease. And again, the leadership is about how you react in the early stage of this pandemic. How you respond based on science. And when you want to see what the future is, you have to refer the history or the, uh, the past experience. So And then, of course, the past experience belong to a person like me, because the one who experienced this 23 years. So again, I don't want to say these pessimistic things, but I want to also later on to conclude that we still have a hope. We still have a hope that if the leader in every level, the community, the government also, directly change their uh, strategy and focus on health based on science and consistent and consistent that's very important two things that i also note during the one year of our experience in pandemic consistency and commitment two things that we lack at every level and strategy already there even now let's say 75% working from home but At implementation level, still weak.
0: Mm, Yeah, but okay. So let's talk hopefully for a moment. Now, you mentioned the positive aspect of the government's program here, which is the vaccination program. So how is it going? Are people wanting to get vaccinated? Is that message getting out? We saw that Jokowi's called for the vaccination program to be sped up.
1: Yeah. The vaccination progress now is good now because the latest vaccination rate is almost 700,000 per day. Uh, So that's very good, very good. And again, because this is the, the, the government main program, any resources also come to this. And I can see that this is one of the very clear progress from the government. And the... Community now also more aware about the how important to get vaccine, especially after what happened in Bangkalan, in Kudus uh, about the Delta variant. How serious the Delta variant is, and of course, in the same time, also the government and also the scientific community always remind the community and counter any uh, hoax any conspiracy theory and also any kind of infodemic and that's also uh, influenced with this high awareness among the community also the number of health clinic and also a facility to provide vaccination also increasing and more widely especially in java island uh, which is the most dense population And again, the role of the leader, uh, religious leader, the community leader also increasing in supporting this uh, vaccination program. In uh, one or two months, we will see the good progress. But again, in another aspect, we see more health workers will be focused on vaccination. And I'm worried about the other aspect of health program if we just tend to focus only on vaccination. And we also lack intervention in testing testing. So that's a danger because we cannot compete with the virus itself when the spread because virus spread faster compared to the vaccination.
0: What about supply of the vaccine? Does that look
1: good? Yeah, so far because uh, Indonesia has this strong collaboration with China for Sinovac vaccine and we have biopharma who produce infection as needed. So that's the good thing. And also the Sinovac also s- still seem quite effective in preventing also the new variant. Of course, this also raised the concern. That's why I told the government that we have to do this study to also support this by evidence-based about how effective Sinovac against the new variant in the real world. And I hope the government now and doing it. Absolutely. Okay. Final question
0: for you, Puck. As you know, Bali is crying out for international tourists to return and any tourists to return, and it's proposed that they will open to international travel in July. So at the time that you've predicted this huge peak,
1: Mm.
0: Bali is still on track to open for international travel. Well, they're opening up in these so-called green zones, vaccination green zones. Will that work?
1: No, of course, it will not work. Uh, since the beginning of this program, I already talked to the minister <laughs> because uh, we had also discussed it. It, it will not work because there's no such a safe zone during this pandemic. No, there is no such a safe country or region because even vaccination will not protect you 100%. And also when we open one zone, people will come and out. And it means there's a big possibility they will bring the virus with them. So, of course, this is not a realistic program. And I also criticized the Walking from Bali program since the beginning. And now my prediction is happened. You know, the last two days, The government of Bali already seen the very significant increase of case in Bali. This person who work from Bali also spread this virus in their community, in their office. So this has already happened. So again, before the government deliver or the government uh, run this program, they have to talk with the scientists. And for me, I'm not only a scientist, I'm the practitioner. Uh, and that's why uh, when I talk with my friend, my college in Ministry of Health, they, who know me well, they will say, okay, we have to follow this, this recommendation. But again, this not under Ministry of Health. Again, this is the complicated situation in Indonesia. I already say this many times, let the Ministry of Health itself lead this pandemic uh, as commander of this task force because the ministry of health the one who has skill experience infrastructure and also resources and also it is important during every pandemic every uh, outbreak that we respond with our health system because the our health system got experience lesson learned and Of course, this is not the last pandemic. We will face another threat in the future. So how come we also improve our health system if we don't use this system? And that's come from my lesson learned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely the expertise in Indonesia as you are an example of that. And there are so many more. But the key thing that I'm hearing from you is that it needs to be listened to and implemented. This may be the moment, but... It's terrible that it's come to this. We hope that your dire predictions don't come yeah. to fruition. I, I hope so. Yeah. So on that note, I will say thank you so much, Puck, for joining mm-hmm. us and yeah. um, hope to speak to you again on a more
1: happy note sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. And I believe so, and at least next year.
0: That was Dickie Budiman, a medical doctor, epidemiologist and global health expert with over 23 years experience in health policy, diplomacy and global health security with a focus on pandemics and epidemics, including SARS and HIV. Dickey has worked in Indonesia's Ministry of Health on communicable disease control and also chaired the ASEAN Task Force on health and HIV AIDS. He has served in a range of national and international organizations related to public health He is currently undertaking his PhD at Griffith University, researching global health security, risk communication and the COVID-19 pandemic. Talking Indonesia will return on the 15th of July, hosted by Dave McCray. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog. Subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now.